Welcome to the Zion Church Podcast. We are a church that is passionate about bringing heaven to earth by following Jesus, who demonstrated perfect Christianity. We hope you are blessed by this teaching from our special guest. Come, let's stand to our feet and just honor her right now. Yeah. Gosh, wow, thank you, Jesus. I collect sons and daughters. So this is so exciting. Um, I really do. And um, in the natural, actually. And um, so I'm very, very honoured and privileged to be here. And I'm just so excited about the presence of God in this room. And I felt like God said, you know, that this is a place where there is a richness of, of jewels and uh, the gold, silver and precious stones. In fact, I've, I've heard the Lord say, Joshua, he's given you a gold mine of, uh, of the people and what, are you, what you're building here. I'd like to pray for you and Elise right now because um, I normally would at the end of the service, but I'm going to pray right now. Is that okay? Pray. Yes, that's why we'd, yeah, that would be good. Yeah, that's part of the reason. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Lord. For Lord says, son and daughter, I have called you to raise up a house of gold and a house of glory. And God says, this will be a house of hope for many have been in the valley of hope deferred. Many have been sad because the traditions of man have made my power ineffective. And the spirit of religion has even come against the church in this hour. And I'm raising up even a house for generations to come to and run into. And the righteous run into the strong tower of the Lord. And God says, know that I've called you as a man after my own heart, and even a Davidic heart, even as you have been drawn to the journey uh, of David, God says, because it's a Davidic calling that I've put upon you, and you're going to rise up the mighty men and women of David. There's going to be those that will come together and run together for I'm raising up, uh, even a band, a company of men and women who will completely follow the Spirit of God and will not become entangled with the affairs of this life. And be like Timothy, was told to be a good soldier, And do not become entangled with the affairs of this life. Endure hardship like a good soldier. God says you're going to raise up men and women who have steel in their backbones. And God says that they are going to be the ultimate iron men and iron women. Because they're going to know what it is to run through a troop and leap over a wall. So the Lord says, know that I'm putting in your hand the sword. And it's the sword of David. And it's a sword that takes off the head of giants. And God says the giants' heads will roll in this place. This will be a house of deliverance. And freedom, for many have been bound and many have had counselling and yet there wasn't deliverance. But this is a place where people are going to be delivered in their seats. They're going to be delivered in the worship. And I'll even deliver people from mind-blinding devils. I'm going to heal bipolar, schizophrenia, ADD, ADHD. God says, I'm going to deliver people in their minds for even know that there has been even assignments of mental pressure and torment. And this day, know that I'm raising up a place and a and there's a brave heart anointing where you would cry out freedom and you're not settling for a nice religious experience, but you're pressing in for all that I've died to give you. The Lord says it's upon you both. And daughter, know that I've called you even to be one that would be not only administrative, not only that would be prophetic, not only that would be a worshiper, but God says you're a woman for all seasons and all reasons. And it's not the either or, it's the and. For I've called you to be apostolic. I've called you to raise up and train up and equip. I've called you to be an overseer. And upon you both, there's an apostolic anointing 
to raise up and train up the fivefold. For there are many that are desiring to fulfill the call of God. And this will be a training base and a training place. So God says, you're going to be equipping the equippers, training the trainers. And yes, you're going to bring out the top guns. They're going to know the, the, the flow of the Holy Spirit because it's only as they flow and follow my spirit will the move of God be released and God says know that this is a move of God for I've put the spirit of revival upon you and God said you're spearheading something in the nation so God says that I've called you to the kingdom for such a time as this and God says many are going to come together many are going to be grounded and founded in love and in my word and they're going to be free of the fear of man they're going to be free of the uh, of the ways of this world they're going to be free of the idolatry that has affected many people. So God says, because of that, I'm going to entrust you with much finance. And God says, even as you have your own building and even as you have your own base in a place, there will be many that will be trained up and there will be planting even in other places. And there'll be raising up of those that would go to the nations. So the Lord says, fear not the preparation. Fear not, even know that the deep now is calling unto deep. And there is even a fresh water spout. There's a fountain. God says this is a fountain of revival. And many have been like that man, 38 years waiting, waiting and saying, no, I've got no one that can put me in the pool. I've got no one that can bring me into healing. I've got no one that can bring me into deliverance. God says, you're going to make up the gap in people's lives. And you're going to carry them into the well of healing. You're going to carry them into the well springs of deliverance. You're going to carry them into a place of not only freedom, but freedom fruitfulness and I'm going to release financial blessing over this house and over this company for every uh, every um, every debt God says there's a debt cancelling anointing over this church and I'm supernaturally cancelling debt I'm supernaturally breaking off the spirit of poverty and lack and God says my people will rejoice in the provision that I have for God says uh, did I not say I desire that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul is prospering? And this will be a house of soul prosperity and people will be healed in their emotions, healed in their minds, healed in their bodies. God says it will be a house where many people will grow very, very, very fast. They'll have accelerated growth and it will, it will cause them to step out into the things I've purposed for them. So God says this day there will not be... Um, the enemy's assignments, God says, you have contended and now there's an ascending anointing. And God says, no, the sky is the limit. And get ready for I have made you the top gun. I've got made you the maverick that's going to lead the others uh, to flow and know what it is to be those who will soar like an eagle. They will mount up with wings as eagles. So God says, daughter, know this day. There's a writing of the vision. There's a re releasing of wisdom and understanding, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's a teaching anointing that you're going to expound the word line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. And God says, your sons are called alongside of you. This is a family ministry. And there's worship and there's um, leadership and there's um, multiplicity of giftings within them. And they're in a place where those giftings will flourish and be nurtured in a great way. So God says, I'm raising up leaders around about you. I'm raising up those that will um, take the load. I'm raising up those that will stand with you. And even as David raised up other giant killers, you, you have a DNA that will be able to be um, uh, reproduced, reproduced. 
and DNA, the dynamic nation-shaking anointing that I've put upon your lives is going to flow into many others, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Get ready and prepare for exponential growth. Not just 300, but God says 500 and then 700, but God says that it's going to be incremental steps of growth and I'll cause you to have the wisdom to incorporate and build in those families, those people that are coming to be part of a fresh fire that I'm pouring out, even in this nation, says the Lord. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you both. Bless you, God. Bless you, Elise. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Could I have the keyboard player come back again? And uh, if she's here, sorry, could you jump on the keyboard? God's in the house, amen? Amen. Amen. How many, how many people have I not met? Raise your hands. Well, that's great. New friends. <laughs> Where have you been all my life? Praise God. Oh, Spirit of God. Spirit of God, move in this place as you already have. Touching lives, healing bodies. Hallelujah. There's a fresh move. There's a new wind. There's a new flowing of my grace. As you've come to seek my face, my spirit is rising in a new way. I'm lifting you up, I'm making a way, cause I'm Yahweh, and I'm gonna make a way for you, cause I'm faithful and true, and I've come that you might have life, and have it more abundantly, and I'm lifting you up to see beyond today, there's a fresh vision before you. I have made the way Lift up your eyes To the hills of heaven I'm releasing angels right now On your behalf Angels on assignment Angels with deliverance Angels with provision God would say no That the ministering servants To the heirs of salvation Are filling this place for this place will be known as a heavenly portal. This place will be known as a heavenly airport. The angels of God will ascend and descend. And there is even a filling up tonight, says God, of the angels of revival and of the angels of provision right now being released on your behalf. Receive your miracle, receive your miracle, receive that miracle. I'm stepping down into your circumstances. Receive your breakthrough, receive your healing. I'm the God who makes all things brand new. Forget the former things. Get the former things. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. You've not seen it before, says Lord. You've not been this way before. Do not let your history determine your destiny. For I'm opening up a new door. 
There's a new door standing before you. It's standing open in the heavenly realm. You have a standing invitation to come into a new place. And it's a place of grace. This is not by your might or power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. You'll run your race. God says, I'm releasing a second wind. Those of you that have felt that you've been wearied, you've been running, you've been going, even felt like you've hit, hit a wall, get ready for I'm releasing the second wind. You're going to catch a second wind. You're going to outrun the chariots of Ahab. You'll look for those things that have contended with you. You won't even be able to find them. Hallelujah. There's a deliverance anointing in the room right now. One of the things that God is delivering people of is anxiety. Because the last days, it says that the Spirit of God, the, the enemy will try and wear out the saints. Wear them out. That word means mental pressure, mental torture. I was praying about the spirit of anxiety and uh, praying for people. And, and the Lord showed me a picture. It was an ugly picture, actually. He showed me that in world, the World War um, in, in, in um, Japan and even as later as Augusta Pinochet, they tortured political prisoners. What they did was that they would strap them down and they would put a cage on their stomach and they'd put a, a rat in that cage. Then they put fire on top of the cage. And getting away from that fire, that rat would begin to eat through that person. Ugly picture, hey? Most of the political prisoners would give up the information before the torture even began. And God showed me that. He said, that's what anxiety does. It eats away at your faith. It eats away at your health. It eats away at your hope. It eats away. And I want you to know, God is breaking the rat of fear. He's breaking the rat of anxiety. He's breaking that rat. Amen? And I believe right now, just as you keep playing, that spirits of fear and anxiety... The Bible says there remains yet a rest unto the people of God. Perfect love casts out all fear. God's now breaking generational curse of anxiety. It's been over your family line. I want you just to lift your hands because there's deliverance in the house. There's someone here and you've, um, you're living with a mean-spirited person and it's affected you and you've not realised it. you you're living free, but you're affected. And it's like a monkey on your back. God's breaking that today. That meanness is dropping off. If you dare to live free, you can. Hallelujah. He's breaking controlling spirits. Intimidation is coming off people. Fear has torment. Perfect love casts out all fear. Cast out all anxiety. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I take authority over spirits of anxiety and fear you said in the last days men's heart will fail them through fear but Lord right now I thank you we're in your house we're in the house of deliverance and we break the power of the lies of the enemy we break the power of fear of things never changing we break the power of torment we break the power of anxiety right now and right now, we thank you that the rest of God, there remains yet a rest unto the people of God. 
resting. For God would say, underneath are the everlasting arms. And you are safe and secure in the rock of all ages. And I'm zealous and jealous over your life. I'm angry with the enemies of your soul that would try and rob, kill and destroy. In the very areas where the enemies come and try to rob, kill and destroy. In those very areas, I am coming and I'm coming with life and I'm coming with life more abundantly. So receive. Receive. Never fight a negative thought. Replace it. Thank you, Lord, that you're filling homes with peace. You're filling families with joy. God's doing something in a marriage tonight. And it's weighed you down. But the Lord says, I am lifting you up. And I will cause all things to work together for good. For those who love me and are called according to his purpose. I'm working it for good, says God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I just believe there's a healing presence here tonight. And if I mention something, I want you just to stand to your feet, just where you are. And uh, God's touching people. Already touched that person's knee. I had that written down, so that's done and dusted. There's someone here and God wants to heal your ear today. And uh, and also too, if, if you, if you want to stand for that, you know, total healing of that generational spirit of anxiety. And I felt there was someone else here and it's like um, you've had some issues with your breathing. God wants to heal that today. And also sinus, there's some, some sinus things going on and allergy, allergy problems. And I felt there was someone else and you have, it's like an, an intolerance to, um, I think it's like a dairy intolerance, but it's given you stomach aches. Is that you, darling? Yeah, God wants to heal that today. And also diverticulitis. And IBS, God's healing intestines, amen, tonight. God wants to bring healing into people's lives tonight. Someone else, and it's your neck. It's, back, it's around your neck area, and I just feel like God's going to free that up. Is that you, darling? Excellent. God wants to heal you. Amen. Into your shoulder, yeah. There's someone else here, and I feel it's not only your knee, but it's all the way down your leg. There's something going on with, with your leg, and it's like um, uh, the... the that problem is giving you a lot of pain. And um, someone else here and have a problem with clotting with your blood. And uh, God wants to heal that tonight as well. Also, I felt there was someone, and it's um, in your foot, but it's up near your toes. Something's going on in that region. Who's that person? God wants to heal that, whether you've actually um, got an infected toe or something's going on in that part of your foot. God wants to heal that. Right now, thank you, Lord. Someone else here, and there's been like um, a racing heart, or, or a um, uh, there's probably a name for it, but um, it's like your, your heart beats uh, strongly. Yeah, God wants to heal that. What I like anybody around sitting near people or standing, you know, the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And he, he, he's given that for all of us, amen, for all of us. And if you're near somebody who's standing, I want you to go and put your hand on them. Make sure that every person standing has at least got two people that are laying hands on them tonight. This is body ministry. We all play our part, amen. And you're just a vessel. You're just a channel for the power of God to flow through. Someone else, God's healing curvature of the spine tonight. If that's you, there's something going on in your back. 
that, that situation. God wants to heal that pain. Thank you, Lord. And someone else, it's the lower part of your back. In fact, uh, not only the lower, but across your shoulders at the back as well. Father, I thank you. We're in the house of healing. We're in your house tonight, the house of bread. And you said healing is the children's bread. And Father, we reach out tonight and we take authority over the spirit of infirmity. Lord, you took those stripes that we would be healed, that we would be well. And we bind that spirit of infirmity. We break the power of infirmity off lives in Jesus' name. Right now, we release that healing. Someone's being healed in their throat tonight. Father, thank you for that healing, that ability to swallow. Thank you, Lord, that healing. Lord, for that, that lung condition to be healed right now. And sinus go in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that healing would flow in this room, that would flow like a river, that would flow. And Lord, you said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. God, we're doing our part and thank you, you're doing your part for that ear to be healed right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. That Someone's got a problem in your eye. I think it's the right eye and it's like grit or something going on there. Father, we release healing into the right eye, into that eye now. In Jesus' mighty name, be healed in the name of Jesus. Every bit whole, every bit whole. Thank you, Lord. And we thank you in anticipation. We thank you for complete healing. We say, Lord, thank you. The people are going to be pain-free in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. You can be seated. Thank you, Lord. If you could just keep playing a bit longer. Wasn't that worship amazing? Oh my gosh, I thought, thank you, Jesus. People that are generous with worship. There's nothing more, um, I won't use any other word, but unusual <laughs> than the people that, that want a microwave revival. <laughs> I want three fast, three slow, 20 minute message and then I'm out of there. It's like, do you want fries with that? <laughs> it's like the McDonaldization of the church. But I, I felt, yeah, you can really engage God tonight. It's not going to be stopped. You know, I used to notice years ago, many, many years ago, particular conferences, we'd get to a high point and we're just centering in and then they'd come and take up the offering because people's hearts are open. You're going to raise more money. The spirit of mammon would rob worship. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? And all those things that would happen and God says, I want my church back. I want my bride back. And the church I build, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I want to say how wonderful to be in a church that has extravagant worship. And uh, just it's wonderful to see so many in the house. And I just feel like I just want to say about um, Josh and, and Elise when I've met them on different occasions. I've just been so impressed with their love for Jesus. The unfeigned love of the brethren. That, that there's no hidden agendas. Philip was an Israelite indeed, in whom there's no guile, no shadow of turning, no hidden agendas, because there's a, a lot of ambition. One of the worst types of pride is spiritual, religious pride. And I love the fact that they just want God's heart and they just want to create a place for others to find God's heart. And I, I feel like you could trust them with your soul, with your future. And... Um, 
And so I just want to say it's a great honor to be here. Amen. Praise God. I want you to open your Bible. Thank you, darling. That was just brilliant. You can have a rest. <laughs> Isn't she amazing? Oh, my gosh. The whole worship team, amazing, amazing. So uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to, um, to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 139. I want to talk to you about the book of life. The book of your life. Psalm 139. Father, we thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and it brings life. Thank you, Lord, that you would open your word and speak to our hearts and change our lives. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 139. And I'm not going to read all of the psalm, but it says some parts here, verse 13, for you formed me in my, for my inward parts while I was yet in my mother's womb. Goes down to verse 16, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. The great, is the great is the sum of them. How great. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand on the seashore, than the sand on all the beaches in the world. That's amazing, isn't it? The thoughts God has towards you. My daughter adopted a couple of, uh, one boy and then another from an orphanage in Taiwan. And, and um, when she went over to meet, they, the husband and wife went over to meet the little guy. And he was like 18 months. And they, bring, they brought him and we were all excited because we'd seen the picture. We were excited about this new grandchild coming. And they brought him into, over there in the orphanage in Taiwan. And they bring him in and they've got toys that they're playing there with him. And they're trying to engage him. He doesn't understand English doesn't understand what's happening. And um, my daughter's speaking to him in English because that's all she, she felt to do. She doesn't know any other language. And uh, so she was saying this, you don't know this, but you're going to come home with us and you're going to be our own little boy and we're going to be your forever mummy and your forever daddy. And we're going to love you like there's no tomorrow. It was just going over his head, over his head. Sometimes... When we hear these words, God wants to cause us to know how deep is his love. Amen. After 45 minutes, he just put on his little backpack and his little hat and he waited by the door. So he knows there's a bus going to come and take him. He had no idea of the great plan, the great destiny. Amen. Sometimes we have no idea of how much God loves us, of how deep is his love and how amazing are his plans. And as a man or woman thinks in their heart, so are they. And God wants to do so much more. And he wants to lift our expectation. Think of that word thinks is gatekeeper. And the gatekeeper, if they're thoughts of inferiority, they will only recognize other inferior thoughts and let them in. We need to change the gatekeepers. And take the time to meditate on the fact that God loves you with an everlasting love. That he's, he said you're... Your name is carved upon his hand. If he had a tattoo, it would be your name. Amen? 
He said, the thoughts I have towards you. He said, you can't count them, there's so many. And he said, all your days were written in a book before you were yet born. And I want to talk about the story of your life. I want to talk about that book. And um, I might just get a chair. Uh, maybe I could stick there to put my Bible on because women have a lot of stuff. <laughs> we have a lot of stuff. Is that okay? Thank you. Awesome, Josh. Excellent. And so Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, You're his workmanship in Christ prepared beforehand for good works. That word workmanship is masterpiece. God's already designed a masterpiece for your life. And it says there beforehand to measure in advance. That means beforehand. That word workmanship is also the word tailor. And he's tailor made the plan, purpose. The Bible says, I know the thoughts and plans. That word plans is Mahashaba. That's it. Anyway, I'm just praying in tongues. You can believe what you're I'm sorry, no. <laughs> I'm being naughty. It means to be intricately woven. Thank God, God's not an Aussie, hey. She'll be right, mate. Get out there, have a go. We'll see how it works. <laughs> yeah, I came from a family where there was a lot of um, struggle. My dad was a heavy drinker, probably an alcoholic. My mum wasn't a well woman. Uh, she, um, she came from an abuse background. And who knows, uh, you know, my dad actually went to the war in Papua New Guinea. He was fighting in the, in the Japanese and that was going on. He came back, you know, a broken man. And uh, he rode his motorbike, motorbike out to Chinchilla, met my mum, the Chinchilla Base Hospital when she was 17. And uh, they got together, they got married. And who knows, two broken eggs don't make a whole egg. They make scrambled egg. And so they had five children in quick succession, three chronic asthmatics. And in this family, I was the second eldest child. And so um, my dad was an angry man. There was a lot of, um, there was a lot of anger at our home. There was ambulances coming and going because my sisters were chronic asthmatics and so was my brother. Uh, so there was five of us. I, I was uh, told all the time, you're the healthy one, you've got to go to the shop. You're the healthy one, you're going to hang out the washing. I tried to get sick. <laughs> it was lousy being healthy. It was a bit like that movie, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. They're all in bed with their jammers on and I'm the healthy one. It's like... <laughs> Mum was 28 when she had a first, she had a nervous breakdown, first nervous breakdown. And she went into, um, they didn't have much help back then for people with mental problems. And we went into care with the Catholic nuns. And, uh, and when my father um, brought her home, it, you know, th there wasn't much help. And, and she came home and uh, had had the shock treatment, you know, the full on. That's what they did in those days. And... Um, so I was about 12 when she took her first overdose. And so um, there's something happens when the primary caregiver of your life needs your care. And so the ambulance was rung and she was taken to hospital and her stomach was pumped and we went into care again with the nuns. And, um, and the, as I said, not much help in those days. So a few weeks later, as my dad brought her home and I walked up to her and she walked in the door, you know, um, it was a naive young person. I said, Mum, why'd you do it? And she looked at me with a look of hatred. Now, I know now she didn't hate me, but she hated the fact that she was walking back into a house where she had chronic asthmatics, one not expected to live, a husband who drank all the money, bills to pay, and this whole pressure 
And so what happened was when she came under a, a lot of pressure, she would just take a lot of pills, not enough to kill herself, but just escape for 24 hours. I just want to escape. So we would sit by her bed to listen to her breathing. She hated going to hospital. So I grew up in this chaotic family um, where there were ambulances coming and going and, um, and uh, three bedrooms, uh, four, and my dad made a little tiny bedroom in the, in the front foyer area. And um, so we would share beds and uh, I would sometimes have to sleep with my little brother because he was scared of the dark and my dad used to take a lot out on him. And uh, when he was only a you know, young fellow, toddler, he wouldn't stop crying this one time and my dad just uh, picked him up by the ankles and shook him, put him out the window and he would just shut up. He just shut up. So he was a man that had a lot of anger, a lot of frustration. And so I used to have to, uh, when he was about uh, you know, eight or nine, and I was about 11-ish, I'd have to sleep with him because he was scared of the dark. So he'd have this probably 90-watt bulb or whatever and I would have to lie next to him and lean over him with my face up to his face so he could go to sleep. So I'd be like this and go, you're not looking at me. I'm looking, I'm looking, see, I'm looking, go to sleep. <laughs> and you grow up thinking this must be normal. <laughs> and um, so I grew up in this family and, uh, you know, the only way you got attention is if you're sick. I tried to get sick. So by the time I'm 15 and 16, I'm hanging out with the wrong crowd. 16, I'm starting to smoke dope and experiment with drugs. 17, 18, I got a motorbike. And uh, I'd like to say it was a big Harley or something, but it was a Yamaha 180, sorry. <laughs> but anyway, I had the black stack hat and I had the, I had the leather jacket. And it's like, <laughs> sparked the bike out the back. But anyway, and so I was in the wrong crowd. And by the time I was... Uh, you know, older, I found I was pregnant. And so uh, the Catholic Church had an uh, agency for single pregnant teenagers. And so they had a list of families who would take in a pregnant teenager until a baby was born in, in return for board and um, for looking after the kids. So that was an interesting day. I had the name of a family. I lived at Redcliffe and a family there. I rode my motorbike <laughs> up to Ipswich. My mascara had run all down my face, took off my helmet. Hi, I'm here to look after the kids. <laughs> Bit of a scary sight I might have been. But anyway, praise God, there I, up there in Ipswich, had my baby by myself. And, and uh, a few months later, my parents um, invited me back home. And, and so I went back to my dope-smoking friends. Her first birthday party, my daughter, Peter, was a dope party. Everybody was stoned. If you ever looked at me back then, you would have said, would someone rescue that little girl from that crazy mother? I tell you what, someone rescued both of us and his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Someone told me about Jesus and I, I was somebody who came to God through desperation, not inspiration. And I'd gotten so down and I'd gotten so empty that as... I asked Jesus into my heart, and I really meant it. I'd had a good dose of the world, tried most everything, and I found nothing filled my heart. That I was lonely, and I was lost. And if Jesus loved me, well, I'm throwing my lot in with him. And as I knelt by my little girl's bed, and I said, Lord, if you help me raise this child so she doesn't turn out like I did, so she doesn't get a heart broken over and over again, so she doesn't 
smoke and take drugs so she doesn't hitchhike at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'll serve you all the days of my life. And I want to say he has been faithful. He has been faithful. Amen. He has been so faithful. And not just that, but much, much more. And that daughter... I have two granddaughters now that are 18 and 16. And my daughter, preacher Peter, her name is, she preaches with me. People say to me, if you can't come, can you send Peter? It's so good. God is faithful, amen? God is faithful. I'm here to say it works. And it just gets better. Do you have some ups and downs? Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought I would never face another problem. I thought that I would wake up in the morning hearing Ariel singing, oh. And there'd be just such wonderful things happening. <laughs> and they were, but God loves you and I too much to leave us the way we are. And I, who only wanted to hang out with dope-smoking friends, I didn't like anyone who was straight. They were boring. <laughs> now I'm one of them. <laughs> but I didn't know how to relate to normal people. I only knew how to, how to have a good time, listen to rock and roll music and just hang out. And Now God wanted me to grow up. Someone came and said there's a job going in an office I used to work in with a, with a, uh, a share department, you know, bonds and stocks and shares. And as I, I went to that job, I got the job, God handpicked every type of person I'm afraid of <laughs> and put them all in that office. Because <laughs> I had a lot of fear, fear of man, the disease to please. And I remember taking a deep breath as I walked up that aisle to the door of my office because everybody that he had handpicked were strong, controlling personalities, were difficult people, and he put them all in the one office. And I was a, I was a fanatic. I had, didn't have a lot of wisdom, so I used to put tracks on everybody's desk when I went to work. I remember my boss came up to me and he said, well, I guess everybody's going to hell except Phalene. <laughs> I didn't have much wisdom back then. But I want to say God is faithful and he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And I believe that we're in a generation like no other. And you were chosen to be born, Romans chapter 1, you were chosen to be born at this time in Australia or wherever you were in this time to be here and now because of what is coming on the earth. Now the preparation for this generation is far more intense if you were born 100 years ago. But you're born in a society where there's threatening of nuclear war, where there's, uh, you know, COVID, where there's uh, gender confusion, where there's um, governments now that are wanting to actually um, put in place where children can have their, uh, you know, their gender uh, adjusted, giving drugs, giving stuff that will wreck their life. We're in a society like no other. We have to stand in faith. So the preparation has been a lot more intense. But God has been getting us ready, amen, to be part of this great move of God. And so I want to just highlight a couple of other scriptures as we just unfold this. And let's go to Romans chapter 8. And I want to say that over the next number of years, my two brothers and two sisters got saved. I used to, I used to um, trap my brother in the kitchen when he'd come home drunk and I would preach to him. And uh, I preached to my other brother, and they wouldn't come. And in the end, I said, you know what, guys? There's really good-looking chicks at church. And they both rocked up. They were there like in a flash. <laughs> they both got saved. My brother Chris has been pastor 
was pastor at a church in Redcliffe for many years and then he's run the Baptist Church or Baptocostals down in Coffs Harbour for the past 12 years. He's just come back to Redcliffe. And uh, so I used to say to him back then, we were both on the same church. He was assistant associate pastor. I was one of the assistant pastor, lay team. And I'd said to him, Chris, one day we're going to minister together. He'd say, in your dreams, in your dreams. <laughs> uh, anyway, I've just, sorted, I've just set up a preaching thing for him. <laughs> he, he, he arrived a few weeks ago. So, um, so I'm going to fulfill my prophetic word over him. <laughs> No, we did work together and it was a lot of fun. So I saw God uh, with each of my siblings and my dad, uh, unfortunately he died at 60, but he accepted the Lord before he died. My mum, who'd been through, she had become, uh, she was a tough lady. She was a tough, because she had to be tough. But I saw her, you know, her late 70s. I was going to visit her and it was Easter and she was on her own, so... And I was, uh, I was having a complaint to the Lord. I know you've never done that, but I was whinging about what God hadn't done. <laughs> anyway, I got to my mum's and she was, you know, by herself. And, and she'd been watching TV and she said, Faye, why does God allow all this suffering? And I distinctly heard God say, zip it. Do not get into a religious argument with your mother. So I listened and I said, Mum, I don't know all the answers, but I do know the Bible says... God will one day wipe away every tear from my eye and there'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. And then she said these words, but Faye, I don't know him. I said, Mum, you can know him right now. You can know him right now. Would you like to do that? And she was like a little child and she said, yes. And prayed the prayer, dear Lord Jesus, I open up the door of my life and I ask you to come in and be my Lord. Lady who'd been a Catholic all her life and thank God for their help, but none of us got saved. I open up the door of my life and I ask you to come in. Be my Lord and be my Saviour. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And she, her last years, a few years after that, were filled with great peace and joy. She never had another asthma attack. She never had trouble with her lungs. I always had a fear she'd She'd die horribly like that. But no, she was great in peace. Went to live with my sister and, and had the family visiting her all the time. And she had the last best days of her life. And I know I'll see her again. Amen. Amen. And uh, so God's been faithful, faithful, faithful. Have there been battles? Absolutely. Have there been breakthroughs? Absolutely. Amen. So I want to look at a scripture here in Romans chapter 8. And it says there in verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of... Oops, I'm reading the wrong scripture. I was talking about adoption, so I went straight there. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. For we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that we might be the firstborn of many brethren. And are called according to his purpose. I want to just highlight something here. The word purpose in the Greek is the word prothesis. Prothesis, sorry. Prothesis. Thesis meaning the story, account of something. And pro in the Greek means pre, the pre-written story that God has. In that word prothesis is also found the word prosthetic. And that is, uh, you know, the, when you get an artificial limb to replace something that has been cut off or missing. 
And so it says there that he foreknew, he wrote the story of your life and he wrote it in a book, pre you ever being born. And uh, we could go through some other scriptures that highlight that, but it just means it's to be prepared beforehand, measured in advance. He, he has prepared it all. And, um, and so with this uh, purpose is incorporated the word restored purpose. Because as you and I know, in the, in, the, in the journey of our life, some chapters weren't written in heaven. Who knows? There's, there's no cancer in heaven. Who knows? There's no divorce in heaven. Who knows? There's no bankruptcy in heaven. So what's, what's, what's going on? What's the deal? And so God wants you to know that as he's prepared your story, not like human prosthetic, but when God replaces something, he gives you something far better. Because one of his covenant names is Jehovah Gomola, and that's the Lord my recompense. And there is compensation in this word of God. The word of God is like an insurance policy that comes due. Joseph had lots of promises, but his insurance, his word came due 13 years later. And there's a due season. There's a promise God's got for everything in this word. Amen? And he wants you to know that he's the God of compensation. He's, he's underwritten all your losses. He's underwritten everything you've been through. We get the word compo, compensation. My dad was a carpenter and he had a mate that, um, because they went through the recession, he cut off his own thumb so he could get the compo. I think he got $6,000 for a thumb back then. But, you know, God has underwritten all your losses and he's the God of recompense. And in insurance policies, under certain conditions, they pay out double. I think you have to be hit by a train, but anyway. <laughs> I actually met a couple who got met, met and married, and they've both been hit by trains. <laughs> I know, I know, crazy, crazy. <laughs> she had been in a car. It was written up in the Rayma magazine. She'd been in the car with her family, three girls in the back, and a, tra a train hit them, and they were in hospital and had a long time recovering. Her, her young man had been driving a truck with logs on the back and he'd been trying to cross a train crossing. He got hit by a train. I don't know, they came together. I thought that was kind of like, oh, it was a funny story anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but in your insurance policy, in this word of God, there is compensation for injustice, damages, yeah. unfairness. Amen. And God wants you to know that he's the God of recompense. I want to quickly turn to a scripture in Ecclesiastes. And we turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. There's a story of a Mongolian farmer who actually um, had a, uh, a son and he had a, a, a mare, a horse, that was, um, you know, a wonderful horse. And, and they lived near the, the border, I think, of China and... Um, and so one day this horse actually broke out uh, over the fence and went galloping into the enemy territory or the territory that they're not allowed to go in. And the neighbours, the, the comment was, oh, that's really bad, you know, bad news, hey, that's bad. And the farmer said, how do you know it's bad news? Could be good news. Well, some weeks later the mare came galloping back with an incredibly amazing stallion right beside her. And the neighbours all came round and said, wow, what? That's so great. Oh, that's, that was, and he said, how do you know it's good? <laughs> Could be bad news. 
Anyway, after a period of time, they were trying to break in the horse and the son was trying to break in the horse. And um, anyway, he got thrown by the horse and broke his leg. Once again, people were saying, well, that's really bad. That's tough. That's bad news. He said, how do you know it's bad? Good, be good. <laughs> Sometime later, war broke out and everyone was conscripted in that village except the Mongolia's farmer's son because he had a broken leg. I'm here to tell you, give God time to set the record straight. No matter what's going on in your life. It says in Ecclesiastes, there's seven better thans. Better than. A good name is better than precious ointment and the day of one's death better than the day of one's birth. Better to go the house of mourning than the house of feasting. Sorrow is better than laughter for by a sad countenance the heart is made better. Goes on to say, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Better to hear the rebuke of the wise man for a fool to hear the song of fools, for a man to hear the song of fools. So like crackling of thorns under a pot, you know, just the, just the rough stuff you use to get a pot burning. So is the laughter of a fool. On and on it goes. Sometimes there's bad is better, but we don't realise it. And God is going to set the record straight in your life. Amen? Don't judge a book by its chapter. Don't judge a story by the chapter you're in right now. Amen? Because he is the author and the finisher. So sometimes you take the pen out of the author's hand. Well, that's a good thing. I'm just going to go and do that. I'm going to marry that man. I'm going to marry that girl. I'm going to do that. I'm just going to go. I feel like uh, I feel like I love the Gold Coast. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to plant a church at the Gold Coast. I would have loved to do that, <laughs> but you got to do it. Amen. You got to do it because it was God's will for you, not me. I don't plant churches anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm glad out finding my shoes of the morning. But anyway, praise God. <laughs> That's why you can be inspirational, go home and... <laughs> you see, God will prophesy in chapter 1 and then chapter 21 and chapter 50 and chapter... Amen? And the prophetic word is, 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 is an encouragement, but it's not a done deal. It's an invitation to become. As we stay planted in the house of God, as we continue to walk after the living God, then that will come to pass. I got prophetic words about travel to nations when I hadn't even got on a plane. And the first plane I got on was with, uh, Chris had know this, with uh, Gabbo when he took a team to Rockhampton. Why well, I felt so important, finally travelling for Jesus. Had to go and buy a suitcase because that's what you have. I mean a, a briefcase. Probably just had my lunch in it. But anyway, felt like there was a neon sign going, travelling for Jesus, travelling for Jesus. I got on that plane and, you know, there's a couple of the team there and, and uh, they were giving out coffee and muffins as we're flying and my stomach started to get the swirl and I started to be very sick. And for the next two hours, because it was probably like a crop duster slow plane, I spent my face over the chemical loo out the back. Because I was throwing up and I'd stagger out. I couldn't make it back to my seat, so I'd sit next to the air hostess who's reading a magazine. I'm getting up and throwing up again. And then when we got to where we were ministering and got out and uh, we were meeting our billets, I got to their house and I threw up. Well, my stomach travelled into the future and started to throw up stuff I hadn't even eaten. 
Welcome to ministry. God's got a way to knock the stuffing out of you. It ain't glamorous, but it's wonderful to serve Jesus. And the prophetic words I had about traveling and, and uh, you know, to nations came to pass. But God prepares us. And sometimes we think, gosh, that'll never happen. When I got a word about overseas, I lived at Redcliffe, and I said, that'll be Sandgate by the Hornybrook Highway. <laughs> God will fulfill the word in ways that you never thought possible. Amen? And so uh, it says there in verse 10, Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not speak wisely concerning these things. What's been bad is going to be better. Amen? And so the story of your life, uh, maybe it's not, uh, you know, you that's taken the pen. Maybe the enemy's taken the pen. And he started to write things and cut off part of your destiny, cut off part of your future. Like a leg would be cut off. Cut off a marriage. Cut off a relationship with a son or daughter. And what we need to do is to put the pen back in the hand of the author and the finisher. Amen? So I want to just give you an example. Say this is the book of your life. And so here you are. You've got great chapters there coming. There's a chapter there on... Um, Blessing, yeah, that's great. Abundance, yes, that's a great chapter. Increase, what's this, a chapter? Rejection, no, that's not meant to be in my book. No. Yes, new friends, excellent travel. Broken marriage, no, 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 no. That's not meant to be in my book. Tragedy with a loved one, that's definitely not meant to be in my book. You're going on and there's a chapter called um, New Direction, uh, great, uh, uh, new door of opportunity. Yes, Jesus, bring it on. What's this? Sickness. Sickness. No, not in my book. Not in my book. Lost my home. No way. Bankruptcy. And whether we realize it or not, we start to become editors. We start to edit our lives. So where do you put that? Where do you put that? When you've given your life to Jesus and you're trusting him for the best and he is going to give you the best, but all of a sudden, you lose your job. All of a sudden, there's no money in the bank. That's not, that's, that's not meant to be failure. No, that chapter definitely is not church split. Oh, my gosh, No. Not in my book. And pretty soon we just got the back and the front cover. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> Where do you put those things? Where do you put the tragedy? I was in Adelaide. I was in Adelaide ministering in a church and normally I turn my phone off and I was in uh, the unit attached to the house the pastors were in and, um, and I got a phone call at 12 o'clock at night never a good call at 12 at night and I said to my daughter what's the matter the kids all right the grandkids all right she said no yeah they're all right mum she said it's uncle Robbie my younger brother he struggled with depression he struggled with antidepressants he struggled with so many things he loved Jesus he knew Jesus but he battled so badly with depression and she said it's Robbie the police have 
just been called round to his unit and uh, my sister had been trying to reach him. And I said, can you get me on a flight? I began to pack at midnight and went to church that morning, didn't say anything, I preached. And at the end of the preaching, I said, uh, we've had a tragedy, I have to go home. And I've got to say to you, I could not say, praise the Lord. I couldn't say, well, all things work together for God. I said, this doesn't work any good. And I was hurt and I had a broken heart over it. But when God eventually brought me to such a place of healing, because I knew he was instantly in the presence of God, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. No, it wasn't God's plan for his life to be cut short. But God, I believe, recognised that he had struggled as much as he could and somehow allowed that to happen. And I said, God, how can I see good out of this? Because I know he's out of pain. And so I said, well, Lord, Robbie's got souls he would have led to the Lord. Robbie's got inheritance as far as kingdom breakthrough. I'm going to have his inheritance of souls. And sometimes when I sit next to someone on a plane and I might be feeling a bit, you know, shy or whatever... I'll say, this one's for you, Robbie. This one's for you, Robbie. This one's for you, Robbie. And I'm going to see him again. And God has given me a great comfort to know that he's not struggling. He's not living crazy, mixing his pills and running around and doing crazy things. He actually drove his car into another car one night when he was stoned on pills for antidepressants. And I went to court with him. Because he got charged. In fact, he was stoned when we went for the interview at the police station. And they do the thing, you know, we'll turn the tape on for the sake of the tape. Please say your names. And he said his name and then he said, this is Faye the Preacher. I thought I was stoned. <laughs> and he's out of pain, you see. So much better that he didn't wipe out someone or kill a family. And when the judge, when the, the guy that was, the lady that was representing him, because he got appointed representation, she said, it's only by the grace of God he didn't kill someone or kill himself. Oh, thank you, God, he didn't die killing someone. I'm sad. I, 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 he, he shouldn't have died. He prayed often for me. He had a great heart, but he lost the battle with depression. And I'm here uh, saying... What is that I can do with that chapter? Because I'm here to say whatever. You say, I don't know where to put that. I don't know, I don't know where to put that rejection. I don't know where to put that, that situation. It shouldn't have happened. It doesn't fit the picture. I'm here to ask you to put the chapter back in and let him set the record straight. Because he wants to finish that chapter. Because my chapter with Robbie is I'm going after every spirit of suicide and not on my watch. And I'm not going to take it flippantly when I know someone's struggling with depression. I'm not going to be casual because I'm going to go after that because of my dear brother. And I hate the spirit of suicide. Pray against it. I'm here to ask you to put that chapter, whether it was bankruptcy, whether it was a time when you were rejected. Put the hand back in the hand of the author and the finisher and watch him. Watch him finish that chapter because beyond the chapter of bankruptcy, 
there's abundance of finances coming. Beyond the chapter of rejection and broken relationship, there's a new, there's a new marriage, there's a new friendship. Beyond that chapter called tests and trials, there's a door of promotion. Beyond that chapter of delay, there's open doors. Beyond that chapter of divorce, there's a healed heart. Beyond that chapter, you know, of anxiety, there's peace that bypasses all understanding and rest. So I'm here to ask you, in that season of your life where you said, I'm just going to forget about it. I don't know what to do with that. It shouldn't have happened. You see, I didn't understand this. And when I went through a divorce, I actually couldn't uh, relate to God or reconcile it. And so I came out and out on altar calls and I would say this, I just feel like something died inside of me. I feel like something's dead. You see, the spirit of grief will come in when we don't know that God will actually turn it for good. Amen. And uh, could I have music, please? And, you know, there's a, um, there's a great uh, temple over in Tehran. And the person that was building this amazing temple was going to make the walls of glass. And what happened when they were uh, delivering all those panels of glass, mirrors, mirrors they were, all the walls were going to be mirrors. They got there and, they, and when they came, they were broken. And the, uh, uh, the worker, the foreman, went to the architect and the owner and said, I'm sorry, I've thrown it away, they're broken. He said, no, no, bring them back. You got a hammer and he smashed them all up into little pieces. And he made a mosaic that is world famous because of the, sh- the, the, uh, the light that comes in an amazing way that's even so much more beautiful. God wants to take the broken pieces. He wants to take those years. He wants to take those circumstances. And he wants to make something beautiful out of your life. But he's saying, will you put the chapter back in? Will you trust him because of the prosthesis that he will give you something far better? It'll make you glad in proportion to the years of disappointment. Will you trust him again? Will you believe and put the hand back in the author and the finisher? Because only the author can change the story. And we have been clever with our own narratives, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. God's saying, will you put the pen back in the hand of the author? Can we stand right now? God wants to restore purpose here in people's lives. And in many chapters that you've been through, I see a chapter called New Beginnings. This is the day of new beginnings. Amen. Right now, I want to speak to you. If you've, you've been invited by a friend or maybe you're, um, you know, you're here uh, just having a look and I want to say this is a fabulous church. If I was down here, I'd be going to Josh's church in a flash. Such worship, such fabulous people. It's awesome. And so you may not have considered your future too much. I didn't even think about the future until I was pregnant in a home I didn't want to be in, worrying about the, wondering about the future and worrying about the child I was carrying. And I started to think about my future. There was a plane that went down over in America and uh, it crashed and nobody survived, but they, there was one little girl that was walking around near the plane and they thought that she might have come from a car. But when they looked up the flight manifold, 
they found that this little girl was actually on that flight. And when they tried to ascertain what had happened, what had happened was as the plane began to go down and the fire was, engines were on fire, the mother of that little girl unbuckled her seat and she got around that daughter. She got around her child and she wrapped her arms around her and as that plane broke up and shattered, she held on to that child and became a human shield. And that child survived. Jesus Christ wrapped himself around a cross and he said, devil, take your best shot. Lay on me what these deserve. Give it your best shot. And he took the pain. He took everything that would deliver us and give us a brand new start. And tonight, he wants to give you that opportunity to not only survive, but to thrive in this world. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, the Bible says as many as received him, he gave the power to become a son or daughter of God. And today, if that's you, if you want to ask Jesus into your heart, if you want to start the journey, if you want to put the pen in the hand of the, of the author and finisher tonight, all I'm going to ask you to do with no one looking around is slip up your hand till I see it and then I'm going to get you to put it down. That's wonderful. Awesome, sir. That's brilliant. Anyone else, you can put your hand down. Anyone else here tonight want to lift up their hand and say, Jesus, you did that for me. You died naked on a cross. You took all that punishment. Yes, God bless you, God, young man. I see that hand. That's awesome. Put your hand down. Anyone else here? If you were to die tonight, the only thing you'll be asked is what you did, did you do with the opportunity to receive a new life? You see, a heart that's not born again can't enter heaven. It's got sin in it. Sin and destroy heaven. So Jesus made the way. Tonight, one more time, as I look across, if you hear his voice, God bless you, sweetheart. That's beautiful. Anyone else here tonight, if you hear his voice, I was in Christchurch in a helicopter looking at the city after that earthquake hit. People said that some walked out of a shop and the ground just opened up. They, they went to work, had no idea that was the last day of their life. In the midst of Christchurch, there's a shrine with 139 chairs, They're all white. There are high chairs, armchairs, wheelchairs chairs to represent every soul that lost their life. Tonight, the Bible said, if you hear his voice, don't put it off. One more time as I look across. God bless you, darling. That's awesome. Anyone else tonight? This is the most important part of the meeting. Anyone else tonight that would want to raise their hand? I don't want to miss anybody. Wonderful. Well, let's pray together out loud with those that raise their hands. I want you to pray this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I open up the door of my life and I ask you to come in to be my Lord to be my Saviour thank you for dying on the cross for me I receive you now and thank you Jesus that I'm born again and you said I'll never ever leave you and I'll never forsake you so thank you God that I belong to you and you belong to me. And we're beginning a chapter called Great Expectations. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a high five. Give someone next to you a high five. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Give someone next to you a high five. Glory to God.
Thank you, Jesus. God is going to release miracles here. Stay in the story. There are times when I just went numb. When I just pretended, not pretended, but I didn't know where to put it. I didn't know how to process it. Give it to God. Put the chapter back in. And He's going to complete it. He's going to give you new opportunities, healing, financial breakthrough. And it's always going to be something far greater than what you lost. I want to open up the altar tonight. And uh, it's heaven's trading floor, can we say. The currency of heaven is beauty for ashes. If you've got ashes, he's got beauty. You know what? When I saw that, I recognized. When I stood and thought, I have nothing to show for my being faithful to you, God. I've got a broken marriage. I'm poor. And he showed me that I had ashes that were worth something. They're worth years of serving him and trusting him and believing even when I didn't see a breakthrough. He said, they're valuable to me and I'm going to give you beauty now. Amen. You've been listening to a Zion Church podcast. For more information about Zion Church, go to zionchurch.info. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash zionchurchgc. And on Instagram, we're at zionchurchofficial. 